I'm Pastor Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and welcome to Church Online. If this is your first time watching us, we'd love to hear from you. Just leave a comment or a like, and let us know that you're watching. And also, if you need anything, you can always visit us at lifechurchutah.com, and we'd love to be able to pray with you about anything. If you'd like to participate in giving today, you can do so by texting the word LCGIVE to the number on the screen. Once again, thank you for watching Church Online here at Life Church Utah. God bless. Uh, several years ago, we were on our way uh, to visit Shelley's family in Kentucky. We lived in uh, Illinois at the time, up in the Chicagoland area. And we have uh, we lived there for about 12 years in Chicago, and so we would take the same route to uh, Shelley's parents' home in Hopkinsville or in Mayfield, uh, Kentucky. We would go the same route every single time. And over time, I began, began wondering, is there another way that we can go and make it down to Hopkinsville, Kentucky? And so I got curious and, you know, more and more curious and eventually got to the point where I started looking at maps differently and going, wait a minute, there is another way to go to Shelley's family. And in fact, it's a shortcut. And so I began, I talked to Shelly, I said, honey, hey, you know, we've, we've gone the same way for years. Why don't we go a different way? It's a shortcut. And I was all excited, and I'm showing on the map, this is going to be great. And Shelly's like, no, let's go the normal way. And I'm like, no, I think a shortcut would be great. And she's like, no, let's go the normal way. And, and we began to discuss. Any um, marriages, you begin to discuss things? We get to the end of the discussion, and the normal way is the way that, that, that she's determined that we go. And so we hop in the car, I don't remember, a little bit later, we hop in the car and, and begin driving. And, and I think at some point she must have fallen asleep or a little bit drowsy, her eyes were closed. And in that moment, I look over at her, and I look at the map, and I look at the road in front of me, and the road that I should turn right on, and I go straight. <laughs> we're now on the shortcut. And I don't know how long it was, but, you know, a couple of hours later, and, and uh, my wife, um, directions are not always her strong suit. Is, is that okay? Can I say that, honey? Is that, that's very true. <laughs> okay. I'm going to hear about it today on this Mother's Day. <laughs> no, and, and so we're driving along, and, and I'm thinking everything's great. I mean, it's perfect, sort of. And she notices, and she, as she's looking around, she notices this is not the normal road. And she asks me, honey, are we following the normal routes? And I'm like, no. <laughs> to be honest, right, honesty is a good thing in marriage. And so I'm telling her, no, honey, I'm, we're not. And at that point, the shortcut turns into like a two-lane road. And then detour after detour and rain clouds and storms and stop traffic, every one of them reminding me that this is not a shortcut. What looked like interstate by ways, if you've been on ways, what looked like interstate now is detours and broken bridges and all that stuff. And this whole time, I've got to admit that my lovely wife, who looked at me with love and honor on our, on our marriage day, on the wedding day, was no longer looking at me like that. <laughs> Guys, you ever been there before? Husbands, you ever been there before when that look of, of love is gone? And it's just there. And it reminded me in that moment of, um, there, there's a scene in Jurassic Park. 
where it says, just don't, don't make eye contact. Don't look at their eyes. My hands firmly planted on the steering wheel, not at all looking to my right as my, as my wife is looking with love in her eyes towards me. I'm not going to finish the story yet. That'll be right at the very end. So a couple of weeks ago, we started a new series called The Journey. And The Journey was, was this idea that we are all on a journey of faith. And sometimes we think that other people have it all together. Why don't we have it together? Right? You, you think, you know, somebody's got it all figured out. Why don't I have it all figured out? So hopefully over these weeks here in the month of May uh, that we can find out that this journey that we are on is something uh, that can be confusing at times. But we, but we understand that we've got to pack certain things uh, on this journey. So last week uh, we started by uh, packing this idea of trust. Right, this was Abraham, or, or Abram at the time, uh, was trust. We've got to start with trust. We trust the Lord with our lives. And then we come to this, um, uh, come to this idea here of, of this journey, that there's more to this journey than just starting out with trust. Genesis chapter 12 says this. This was our starting place last week. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord told him. There's a word that shows up over and over and over in this passage. What is that word? Bless or blessing, something along those lines. So this really becomes for us um, the second part of what we are packing in this journey is this idea of bless or blessing in our lives. So Abram's looking at this and he goes, you know, God's saying to him, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. There's going to be incredible things that happen in your life. But there might be some questions that Abraham is asking at this point might be asking this question of like, okay, God, how is this going to happen? How are you going to make this happen to make my name great? What's going to happen with this? But a couple of things we need to understand. First of all, uh, God, when he called Abram, there was really nothing necessarily special about Abram. God just looked at him and called him and said, I choose you, which is what he's done to every one of us. Because nothing we have done makes us deserve God's attention and blessing. You realize that? Nothing we have done makes, um, makes us deserve God's attention and blessing. It's only through his mercy and grace that God calls to us. That's it. And this is all that was happening in Abram's life as well. Not necessarily better than anybody else. Didn't have it all figured out. And God says, hey, you've got it figured out. Why don't you join me on a divine mission? No, God was saying, Abram, I choose you and I pick you. And so Abram's wondering, how is this going to happen? Because Abram is 75 years old at the time that he is called. Do we have anybody here today who is 75 years of age or older? 75 or older. That was first service. We had a bunch first service. So second service, we've got a few of you. That's awesome. The story is for you. This is fantastic. So the story of God's blessing and promise to Abraham, or to Abram, sorry, I keep calling him Abraham, that's not yet, that's a little bit later on in the service. The story of Abram unfolds now in Genesis chapter 12 through Genesis 22. This is the whole story of Abram's life, and I encourage you, it is a great story. You've got to read this whole thing. But Abram settles in the land promised by God. He makes his way from where he was to the place that God told him he would end up at. 
to the promised land. Uh, in the story, he also takes a trip to Egypt in the season of famine. He returns to the land, but is wondering about this promise that God has given to him. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. So Abram's looking back at the promise God had made him. God says, I'm going to make you great. Abram's going, um, how's this going to happen? I don't have any kids, and in our culture, just there's no way that my name is going to be great unless I've got children to carry on the family name. And I don't think I would blame Abram in that moment questioning God. He's got no kids, so everything that he has is going to pass on to somebody who is not his family. In the culture of that day, that's the expected thing. That's, that's what would happen. But God goes on, and he says this, and the word of the Lord came to him, this man... Eliezer, will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram is over 75 years of age at this point, and God says, you're going to have a kid. Those of you who are 75 years of age right now, how many of you would just love to have a newborn right now? <laughs> right? Yeah, good luck with that one. You're like, I got rid of my kids. <laughs> says that, that your, your, um, your offspring will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I, I, I enjoy the stars. I enjoy looking at them. And um, so, so God takes Abram outside, and they, they go outside, and they look together at the stars. Looks up there and says, so as you look at this, this, this is going to be, if you can count them, this is going to be your offspring. I got to thinking. How many stars can you see? So I looked it up. Something called the World Wide Web. It's pretty cool. Looked it up. And on a starry night with no clouds and dark, that's very key, and dark outside, you can see with your unaided eye, you can see about 4,700 stars. I thought it would have been a whole lot more, right? I mean, that was what I was thinking. I'm going, okay, God, it, just, it seems weird that you would say that, that this is how many people for it. That's a small village is what that is. But I love the fact that what God put in there, if indeed you can count them. And so I think what God was saying is what you can see is only part of that blessing. Because if you double that then, you've got the rest of the hemisphere, right? And so then you've got about 10,000 stars that are visible to the naked eye. But if, if you've got binoculars, that number climbs from about... 9,700 up to about 217,000 stars that all of a sudden up, open up in front of you. And then if you have a three-inch telescope, that number climbs to 5.3 million stars that you can see. And then if you have even a larger telescope, 15-inch telescope climbs to 380 million stars that you can then see. So what is God speaking to Abram in this moment? He's telling him, Abram, what you can see is just the tip of the iceberg. The blessing I want to pour out on you is far, far, far greater than what you think culture would say the blessing is going to be. Because culture doesn't reveal blessing, God does. 
right? The, 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 the world around us does not reveal the blessing of God. It's when we look through the eyes of God. Because, so Abram looked through the eyes of culture, and he saw his servant and said, this is going to have to pass to him. He was limited. But when he all of a sudden began to look through the eyes of God, and he gets the big picture <laughs> that what he sees with his own eyes, man, God has so much more in store for him. But this was taking way too long. He was 75 when he first received the promise. He's about 90 years of age when, uh, when, when this next story takes place and when he receives the second kind of promise there that you're going to have your own child. And Abram decides to take matter into his own hands. And he says, God, you said I was going to have a child of my own. I know how that's going to work. I'm going to take a detour. And so he does. We find this in Genesis 16. I'm not going to read the whole story. Let me just summarize it. Uh, Abram had a servant, and he decides that the way God was going to work was he was going to have a child through that servant. And he does. And he names that child Ishmael. If you know anything about world history, you know anything about world religions, this one detour that Abram took radically changed the way the, the way the world has a religion. In today's world, there's one religion that traces their roots and their history through Ishmael, and that is Islam. Islam traces their roots to this detour that Abram took. And it makes me wonder, why do we like to take shortcuts? <laughs> right? why, why did I decide it would be better for me to not listen to my wife and take a shortcut that ended up costing me a whole lot more. So much for shortcuts. And so now, a number of years later, about 10 more years, Sarai and Abram remain childless. And they're wondering, God, did you really say? God, did you really say? When Abram was 99 years of age, God speaks again. Verse uh, chapter 17, he says, As for me, here's my covenant with you. You will become the father of many nations, your name will no longer be Abram, your name will be Abraham, which basically means father of many nations. He says, for I will make you the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful and will make nations and kings come from you. What an incredible promise from God. And yet, he is now 99 years old. Biology is at play here, folks. <laughs> Let's get real, right? So, so, okay. And now, God turns his attention to Sarai. Sarai, who is Abram's wife through all of this, she's been in the picture, but not central. Suddenly, she's thrust to the very, very center part of it. God said to Abraham, as for your wife Sarai, do not call her Sarai, for Sarah will be her name, which means princess. I will bless her. Indeed, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will produce nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. And then he laughed. And he said to himself, Can a child be born to a hundred-year-old man? And can Sarah, a 90-year-old woman, give birth? God, this is laughable. Really? Is this, good? Is this how you're going to choose to cause blessing to happen. The same promise of blessing came to Sarah that had been, uh, been Abraham's. And even Abraham didn't believe that Sarah was capable of having children. 
But God saw a reality that they didn't. Abraham should have realized that just like with that promise of looking up at the stars, there is so much more that God was going to do. And at times we can start believing what the world says. At times we can start believing what society is telling us about our faith. Saying, why do you have faith when things aren't going right in your life? Obviously God doesn't love you or care about you. You lost your job and yet you say God cares for you. We struggle in these moments, don't we? Imagine for a moment Abraham and Sarah sitting around the table at McDonald's where they're getting the cheap coffee, and they're there with their friends, and they're sitting there talking, and Abraham is like, hey, guess what? And their friends who they've been around for decades now says, hey, yeah, Abraham, what's, what's up, Abe? Sarah and I? We're going to have a kid. <laughs> Talk about a conversation stopper in that moment. You're nuts. They probably would have laughed as well, wouldn't they have at that moment? There are times when our faith collides <laughs> with the world around us. And who are we going to trust? So the next chapter, God visits again. This time he wants to make sure that Sarah knows for herself what God is up to. Because my guess is the previous one, Abraham went to Sarah and said, hey, Sarah, guess what God told me? We're going to get pregnant. And Sarah goes, no, <laughs> it's not going to happen. So God speaks directly to Sarah. Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. They, meaning there were a few people that were visiting. There in the tent, he had answered, the Lord said, I will certainly come back to you in about a year's time, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent behind him. Abraham and Sarah were old and getting on in years. That's a very, very nice, polite way to say that, right? Sarah had passed the age of childbearing, so she laughed to herself. After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I have delight? But the Lord asked Abraham, why did Sarah laugh saying, can I really have a baby when I'm old? Is anything impossible for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will come back to you in about a year. She will have a son. Sarah denied it. I did not laugh, she said, because she was afraid. But he replied, no, you did laugh. And I don't blame her one bit because this is craziness. The world up to this point had potentially ridiculed Sarah because she was childless. The pressure in that culture to have a child was unbelievable. Everything was wrapped up in that, everything. The blame, the pointing of fingers, what did she do wrong? Why is she not able to bear children? The weight that she bore was unbelievable. But God is God and he will do the things that only God can do in a way that only God can do them. And God is a God of blessing. And he will surprise you with blessing on this journey. So what are the blessings that we have as believers now? Because I don't think many of you who are 90 plus are saying, oh Lord, give me a child. Okay, that's not the blessing necessarily you're asking for at this point. But the blessings that we have are along these lines, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There's a promise of completion of that blessing in your life. We talked about it last week, didn't we? Or uh, Steve uh, Spear talked about it, that completing work that is done in our lives. Can I give you an update with the, uh, the 6K for water? Last week I told you we had 150 runners. I lied, I guess. 
uh, after we looked at all the numbers and all the people that signed in and we got everybody's uh, names together, I think we had 171 that ran, uh, 171 that were part of the Life Church team, which is incredible. And then we also raised way more than our goal of 6,000. We were up over like nearly $7,100 that was raised. So thank you so much for so many of you that participated. God is completing something not only in your lives, but in the lives of these children that we're able to provide uh, clean water for because you ran. And next year, man, we want that number to be like 300. So all of you said, no, I'll never do it. Next year, you got a chance to do it. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a promise of blessing that we have through the power of the Spirit in 1 Peter Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and this is our promise, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. This is the blessing that we look forward to. And I would tell you that this blessing is very similar to that one where Abraham looks up at the sky and counts a little bit, and God says, there is so much more for you than you can see. The world presses in, says we don't measure up, and sometimes the pressures of motherhood on Mother's Day, right, uh, the kids are, you're like, I cannot control my children, and that pressure is there. You can look to the promise of an inheritance that God is keeping for you in heaven. There's also a pressure to shortcut our way to the blessing of God. But every time we shortcut, every time we take a route other than God's, what we do is we delay that promise, we delay the blessing, and we find ourselves in difficulty. It ends in heartache and disappointment, and the future is less than it should be every time. But we are those who walk in the blessing of God when we walk in Christ Jesus. Right? That is when we know we're walking in the blessing of God. So fast forward. The Lord came to Sarah in verse, uh, Genesis chapter 21. This is about a year later from what we just read a moment ago with the story of Abraham and Sarah. About a year later, the Lord came to Sarah as he had said, for the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Our God is a promise-keeping God. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time God had told him. Abraham named his son who was born to him, the one Sarah bore to him, named him Isaac. Now, what does the name Isaac mean? It means laughter. How ironic, right? And I, th and, and I think in all of this, Abraham's looking and there's that, that pressure to name your child, right? And sometimes you, you keep that name to yourself right to the very end, then you tell people because you're always going to have people tell you, oh, that's a terrible name, right? Anybody run into that? Or that's a fantastic name or that name is chosen. You know, all those stories that are there. Abraham and Sarah, they're trying to figure out what are we going to name our child? And what they choose to name their child is laughter. To remind them every time they called on their son's name, every time they call out his name, to remind them that God is a God of blessing. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.